0: Well, good evening, church. It's the middle of the week. Time to just collect our thoughts around God's word. It's never an ordinary time whenever we bring our minds to the word of God. Paul talks about beholding the glory of our Lord and having our hearts transformed, he says. Transformed from one degree of glory to another. So we've been coming in the middle of the week. Uh, We're not quite... Meeting together again, yet physically, but we can bring our hearts and minds together and study God's word. We're working through Mark. I want to look at just two incidences in the book of Mark, starting in chapter 5, verse 21. Two, two incidences that deal with the nature and the mystery of faith and how Jesus responds to it. So Mark five, twenty-one to 43, I'm looking at... Uh, Miracles of healing and raising from the dead, as uh, they relate to the subjects of faith and wholeness in the ministry of Jesus. So Mark 5:21, and I'm going to read right to verse 43. I hope you have a Bible, and let's look at these together. 5:21. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him. And he was beside the sea. And then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And seeing him, seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet. And he implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come, lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. So now he's, he's en route. He's on his way. 25. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had. Notice the details that Mark is pressing us into here suffered much under many physicians, spent all that she had, 26, no better, but rather grew worse. 27, she had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said in herself, for she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And then you have these strange words, verse 30. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him what a phrase immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? Now look at the disciples, 31. His disciples said to him, you see this crowd pressing around you and you say, who touched me? I mean, they're trying to be nice. Jesus, are are you crazy? Everybody's bumping into you. 32. And he, Jesus, looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling And fell down before him and told him the whole truth. She feels she's confessing something, I guess. And he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. 35. Now it's back to the daughter of Jairus. He's continuing. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter is dead too late why trouble the teacher any further but overhearing what they said Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue that's to Jairus do not fear I guess he can see Jairus is is, is broken he's probably given up don't no. do not fear only believe And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue. That's the second time Jairus has been identified as a ruler of the synagogue. And I want to talk about why that's important in a minute. 38. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and Jesus saw a commotion. People weeping, wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. Look at verse 40. And they laughed at him. Now, did these people have faith? It doesn't, doesn't look like it very much. They, they laughed at him. He put them all outside, took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. 42. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And then you see this again, 43. And he, Jesus, strictly charged them that no one should know this. Strange. Strange. And he told them to give her something to eat. These are amazing passages. Let, let's start with the woman with the issue of blood. That's in 24 to 34. It, I want to look at it because it is absolutely unique in this sense. That this is the only time where, as far as we can tell, we're not given all the details. But as far as we can tell, this is the only time where Jesus heals someone unintentionally. I mean, this woman comes up, presses through the crowd, touches the hem of his garment, and she's made whole. And after that, Jesus has to find out who it was that even touched him. Jesus wasn't looking for her. He didn't lay hands on her. He didn't speak to her before she was healed. So, so he made no conscious effort to reach out to this woman. It wasn't a lack of compassion. It was just this massive crowd. And Jesus hadn't singled out any specific individuals in the crowd. So she reaches out and she touches Jesus. So so for that reason alone, this is kind of an, an interesting story. And here's a couple of things perhaps we can learn from it. A. Perhaps we're meant to learn of the power of the sheer presence of Jesus. That is, Jesus didn't intentionally reach out to touch this woman, but somehow the the presence of God is focused, made manifest exactly in the person of Jesus. Things happen for our good when we draw close to Jesus. Things happen for our good when we draw close to jesus so so I learn I think we should learn never to make um, distressing times, fearful times, times of maybe panic, times of intense need, never make those things cause you to withdraw from Jesus. sometimes people do that, they get upset about something, they have a desperate situation they 're depressed they're fearful sometimes. Uh, confused, they stay away from church they 've bought into the false argument that if you come to church in the middle of time of testing and trial and discouragement you 're somehow being a hypocrite. Nothing could be further from the truth in our in our hectic age, in our busy age, in times like this, this pandemic are you are you on a daily basis? Drawing closer to Jesus. Have other things distracted you? Are you getting out of a routine? Find ways ways to live in the proximity of Jesus. Draw near to Jesus. Reach out to Jesus. So that's first. We learn of the, the sheer power of the presence of Jesus. B. Maybe, just maybe, we're meant to learn and see the, the persistence of one relatively insignificant person surrounded by a whole bunch of other needs. I mean, I'm sure there were other people in that crowd who bumped into Jesus. Other people touched Jesus. You, And they weren't all healed. Just this woman. So I, I learned you can, you can, and this relates to the first point, you can associate... With the things of Jesus. You can get into a routine. A religious routine. Without. uh, Reaching out. Without the intent. Of reaching out to Jesus. Why as far. As the text tells us. Why was this woman. The only one healed. And I think. What we're meant to see is. Is uh, the intention of this woman to draw from Jesus? The, the, The heartfelt desire to bring her need to Jesus in a way that went beyond the bumping into Jesus, the association with Jesus of this large crowd who didn't, as far as we can tell, receive any miracle from the Lord. The heart must be hungry. And the heart must be persistent. So we, we are to learn, in addition to that first point, just the healing presence of Jesus, we're to learn the power of keeping our attention on Christ. Consciously drawing near to him. The difference between, even in your devotions, the difference between reading chapter 16, because that's the next one in the one-year Bible, and I'm not knocking that at all. There's a difference between that and I, I'm, I need to draw close to Jesus. My heart is hungry and I need feeding. See, here's maybe a third thing from this uh, woman with the issue of blood. Perhaps the greatest barrier we must push through. So that's what we were talking about in the last point. The the intent of reaching out to Jesus. The whole crowd was bumping into him. This woman was intent on receiving from him. So now, what's the greatest barrier to that kind of holy intent? Well, perhaps the greatest barrier we all must push through at different times is our own discouragement. I mean, it's just the way Mark describes this woman. It's, it's one thing to have a need. It's one thing to have a problem. It, it's another thing entirely to feel like you're the, at the end of your rope with your problem. So, 12 years. What's this woman been doing? For 12 years, she's been trying to get well. How long have you been in the middle of your need? 12 years, she's been trying to get well. What did she do? She went to doctor after doctor after doctor after doctor. How was she able to do it? She spent everything she had. What did she have to do? Did she have to sell furniture? Was she down to absolutely nothing? Twelve years, tried everything, spent every cent she had, and she's worse now than she was at the beginning of that search. Then she sees Jesus and God bless this woman. She says, if I touch him, if I can reach him, things will be different. There's a a special faith. Oh, I know. People come with a need. They exercise faith. They receive a miracle. That's one kind of faith. I don't think it's the highest kind of faith. This, to me, is very courageous faith. Nothing has worked. Nothing has worked for 12 years. I'm not getting better. I'm getting worse. What am I going to do? I'm going to reach out to Jesus. She still carries this hope in her heart. And I'll tell you, I think that's what Jesus noticed in the touch of this woman. So there's three practical lessons, I hope, from that woman. Now, the raising of Jairus' daughter. It's in chapter 5, 21 to 23, and then it's broken up by the story of the woman. And Jairus picks up again, 35 to 43. We, We read all those verses. I won't read them again. Let me just draw some lessons. I think, A, part of the significance of this miracle is the great faith present in the heart of a person who is typically part of the crowd that was against Jesus. I mentioned it twice as I was reading the text and said I'd come back to it, that he was a ruler in the synagogue. A synagogue official. And you don't have to be a genius. You've seen it already and you'll see it in the rest of the Gospel of Mark. These religious leaders, these were the ones wanting to kill Jesus. Okay, Jairus is a part of that group. But he, but he's able to think for himself. He's able to break out of the mentality of the pack. His faith seemed to be able to rise above prejudice, bigotry, hatred. And it's a wonderful thing, isn't it? That Jesus knows who Jairus is and he doesn't treat him with any less compassion and tenderness and love than he would treat anybody else how typical of our Lord. B. Jesus brings the daughter back to life. That's in 38 to 43. And and it just makes me ask the question, how much faith is necessary for Jesus to work and who has to exercise it? Because there seems to be quite a bit of non-faith. Now, Jairus is the exception, granted. But most of the onlookers, they didn't believe that there was any hope. Verse 40 says they all laughed when Jesus indicates that he's going to raise her from the dead. They all laughed at him. The girl who's dead, she can't exercise any faith at all. So it wasn't this huge environment of trust and confidence and revival that's 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 not where jesus was working and that here's this here's this official in the synagogue come come 23 lay your hands lay your hands on her that she may live you can believe for somebody who doesn't believe or can't believe. The crowd laughs. The daughter's dead. She can't exercise any faith. Jairus is the only one exercising some measure of trust in Jesus on behalf of someone who has no faith whatsoever because she's dead. I've been thinking about that because I think there are tremendous implications. The people you pray for who can't or won't believe, do you have Do you have an unsaved son, daughter, spouse, parent? Do you you have someone you're lifting to Jesus and there's not a spark of faith in their heart? And what you see in this little incident is person A can believe for person B. Person A can exercise faith for person B. And Jesus honors that kind of faith. Notice as well, uh, under this second point, there's no situation beyond, beyond reach. I mean, why do we have an account like this? Why? Why? Jesus could have spoken the word right where he was before he was interrupted by the woman who touched him. Jesus could have spoken the word immediately And Jairus' daughter would have been healed. What's the point? It's like Lazarus. What's the point in waiting until they're dead? And I think the reason is you come to a situation in needs where there's a point of no return where we tend to say, well, I guess that's it. And Jesus intentionally leaves a few situations like that in the gospel so that we can see no. No, I know you think the situation's hopeless. I know you think the situation's beyond reach. I know you think that Jairus' daughter can't come back. I know you think your situation can't be redeemed. So there's great implication here for for, uh, people close to you who don't believe, praying for situations that are far away, who don't even know you're interceding. See, the little detail, it seems almost too small to mention, except that it shows the character of Jesus. Notice also that little needs get as much attention as great ones. So the daughter's raised. She's walking, it says. Jesus, he tells them, don't make, I don't want this broadcasted. They would come and make Jesus the kind of leader that he never came to be. That wasn't his kingdom of this world. But I love the way Jesus, it's Jesus. He's the only one. There's this crowd. Everybody's ooing and aahing over this girl that's been raised from the dead. And Jesus is the one who says, you know, get her something to eat. Even, even bodies raised from the dead need food and so jesus notices the great big needs he will raise her from the dead and the things you think are almost too small to bring to him they 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 get his attention they get his awareness no wonder no wonder paul says behold the glory of our lord and have your heart transformed from one degree of glory to another, let's pray. Where would we be? Where would we be if we couldn't stop and have the life of Jesus just so vividly betrayed bef- portrayed before us? If, if, we, if we didn't have a way of knowing the things Jesus said and did? while here on this earth what a treasure we have in like the gospel of mark what a blessing for our church to be able to gather and and behold the glory of our lord transform our hearts particularly our faith in these studies that we've been looking at tonight bless your word to our church i pray in jesus name amen Sunday morning, we're going to do Keeping Your Joy, The Heartfelt Theology of an Isolated Prisoner. I want to look at how did Jesus come to be Lord of all? It's a surprising study. I'm not saying how did he become God incarnate. How did he become Lord of all of our lives? And then Sunday night, we're continuing in our series, Repentance. Repentance. Knowing why is good, knowing how is better the kind of changes that repentant people make and we'll be praying for ian and tiffany rowley our our missionaries will be supporting them in prayer pretty soon sunday you're going to hear uh an announcement about our regathering we've been looking at this studying this behind the scenes and you'll hear an announcement sunday morning very soon we're going to be gathering together and uh just so you know, um, it was always our heart that everyone would understand. Whether, whether you gather with us in the sanctuary or whether you watch live stream at home, we're, sh- we're not uh, saying that some are more godly or more faithful or more trusting. I know you see sometimes silly things posted, but that's not us. And we're all part of the same family. And however you choose to worship with us, I think we've got some really exciting things coming down the pike. So let's just trust God and believe. Watch for that announcement on Sunday. God bless the church. Love one another and stay devoted to the word.